Well, good morning, my brothers and my sisters. This is Pastor Willie L. Patterson III, pastor of the Redeemed Community Church, located at 6254 House Ferry Road in Mobile, Alabama, 36618. We thank God for this ministry by way of radio, and certainly we are redeemed. We've been bought with a price. This broadcast is sponsored by our Redeemed Community Church's Outreach Ministry. And we continue to pray that we are blessing you each and every Saturday with this broadcast. Now, just for a few minutes, I want to share a few announcements and we shall move into the message of the morning. First of all, I want to thank the Redeemed Christian Academy for a wonderful summer camp. The children had a wonderful time. We climaxed it on Friday, on yesterday, with the field day, the fun day, right there on the campus of Redeemed Community Church. We are now preparing for our children to return to school on Thursday uh, next week. We're praying that God covers them. I remember a time when we didn't have to really seek the Lord as much as we do now for our children as they return to school. But times have changed. People have changed. Evil has corrupted the hearts of many. The schools used to be off limits to any type of violence other than children arguing, fussing, and fighting on campus. Now we must concern ourselves with bullets and, and demonic-possessed men entering the campus to harm our children and our teachers. So we pray that God would cover every child every teacher, faculty, staff of the Mobile County Public School System. Not only Mobile, but every school uh, door that's open this school year, that God will cover our, our, our people as they seek to educate our children. And now, my brothers and sisters, we've decided to postpone our four-year-old program, um, but we will resume three to four-year-old next year for a daytime uh, program at Redeemed Christian Academy. So it'll give us nine months to get ourselves together and get ready and be organized. But we will be having a some after-school program, excuse me, after-school program, uh, ages 4 through 12. So if you need your child picked up in the schools in nearby vicinity of Redeemed Community Church, give us a call at 251 639-1900 and ask for Sister Brenda Patterson. We are looking forward to having your children in our after-school program where we will tutor uh, your children, help them with their homework, and give them a snack. Now, my brothers and sisters, the word this morning. We're talking about love. We go to 1 Corinthians Chapter 13. And I'm reading from the new King James Version this morning. Paul says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Love. More songs have been written about love than about any other topic. 
it has inspired some of the world's best and yes even worst poetry it has set on fire and broken countless hearts throughout human history many things are said about love yet for the final word on the topic we must turn to the bible in first corinthians 13 the apostle paul under the inspiration of the holy spirit provides the world's most beautiful ode to love now one common word for love in the greek language was eros which suggested physical sexual desire and not much else Another word, philos, suggested the esteem and affection found in a casual friendship. Because neither of these words came close to describing the kind of love he wanted to communicate. Paul chose a relatively rare Greek word for his definitive passage on love. This word, agape, describes a love that is based on the deliberate choice of the one who loves rather than the worthiness of the one who is loved. This kind of love goes against natural human inclination. You see, it is a given, selfless, expect nothing in return kind of love. Paul's description of love is short but full of power. Love suffers for a long time, my brothers and sisters. Our modern throwaway society encourages us to get rid of people in our lives who are difficult to get along with, whether they are friends, family, or acquaintances. Yet this attitude runs in complete contrast to the love described by Paul. True love puts up with people who will be easier to give up on. Love does not envy. If our love is directed toward others, we will rejoice in the blessings they receive rather than design those blessings for ourselves. Fundamentally, the selfless love that God calls us to does not involve pride or glory. It does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. In fact, my brothers and my sisters, true love does not seek its own. If we truly love others, we will set aside our own plans, agendas, and entitlements for the good of another. Love is not provoked. That is, love is not easily angered or oversensitive. When we truly love others, we are careful not to be touchy concerning other people's words or actions towards us. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, 
but rejoices in the truth. The godly love described in this chapter has nothing to do with evil, but has everything to do with what is right and true. It believes all things and hopes all things. Now, this does not mean that love is blind or naive. When we love, we may recognize problems and failures in people, but we do not lose faith in the possibilities of what people might become. Love never gives up knowing that God can change lives for the better. Love endures all things. Love accepts any hardship or rejection and continues unabated to build up and encourage the love described by Paul in this love chapter means determining what is best for another person and then doing it. This is the kind of love that God shows to us. So love, a four-letter word with so much power. I want to ask you questions today. And obviously, I can't hear your response. But you can respond in your heart by reflecting on how you perceive love. One of the most fundamental things about love, that it is selfless. See, when you love, you give of yourself. You sacrifice yourself. It is not self-centered. It is not about you. It's about the people that you love and care for. And love, we've been told, is an action word. It's a verb. Uh, I can remember growing up, and any time I would hear the announcement about a pastor's anniversary, the favorite saying was, love is what love does. And that was a plea for your money to help celebrate a pastor's anniversary. But love doesn't guilt trip you. Love does not make you feel bad. You do love, you show love from the abundance of your heart. Because after all, we've learned that's what's on the inside resonates on the outside. If there is no love, you can only pretend so long. The truth comes forth because your deeds, your words, your actions don't describe love. The way you talk to me, the way you treat me, the way you talk down to me and make me feel unworthy of your love. Eventually, if there's no love, the truth will prevail. Now when I tell people, be honest with what you see. Don't dress up a person's love. If they're not showing it, they're simply 
being true to who they are. Now, there's a book that we use in counseling entitled The Five Love Languages. And that book puts us to the challenge as it relates to our relationship with our spouse and even people dating to a degree. What, what it simply says to us, after taking a little test, a battery of questions being answered, and a person is honest in their assessment, you can get a better understanding of a person's love language. And what we are supposed to do is speak their language of love. Because you are, loving is all about giving. Uh, so if a person's love language is something that you're not comfortable with, like acts of service, for example, is one. You're not accustomed to taking the trash out, helping around the house, washing the dishes, washing clothes. Uh, those things inspire the person whose primary love language is acts of kindness. Some people prefer words of affirmation. And those words are important to them. They need to be told that they are loved. They need to be told that they are appreciated. And so when we began to comprehend love language, and I say this often to people that Dr. Chapman wrote a powerful book, it changed the course on how we perceive love. I often say that it is work. It requires a little bit more than what we give. Um, this book has transformed countless relationships. It helps couples and groups experience the transformation through thought-provoking discussions and application questions. So in other words, what are you saying, Pastor? It is difficult to speak another person's love language when you are uncomfortable in that language. But love needs to be fueled by a person's language. So we ask the question, what fuels our need for love? Why is it an ongoing need? I love Dr. Chapman's book. He talks about the love tank. And, and that basically tells us that if we're not feasting on and feeding that person's love language, then their tank runs low. And everybody understands fuel. And the cost of fuel is out of control right now. And so we want to, as much as possible, keep that tank full. I say to people when I counsel them that a love tank that's not full has an opportunity for fuel from someone else and by someone else. I call that the distraction zone. When you're not focused on providing the love that a person needs and requires, then you run the risk of wandering eyes. Distracted thoughts. 
And so we must understand just how powerful love is. You know, we, we ask all kinds of questions when we fall in love. How long can we expect to sustain an in love experience? We, we sometimes believe that it's a state of euphoria and there's no work required. It's love at first sight, Pastor. We think alike. We have the same mindset, same dream, goal, and goals and vision with life. That's normally that first part of love. But love requires us to understand the emotional needs of one another. The psychological needs, the security that comes with love. And so when people fall out, fall out of love, it's normally a direct result of forsaking the love tank. And so when we understand the love that's required, let me just give you these five from Dr. Chapman's book, uh, these thoughts about love. Love language number one, words of affirmation. Verbal compliments. Baby, you look great today. You did well today. I'm proud of you. Take some time to encourage your spouse, your children, your community, your friends, even at church. People want to feel special if their primary love language is words of affirmation. So sometimes we must show empathy. We must learn to see the world from their perspective so that we know what they need. So words of affirmation, it reminds me of being in school when our professor or my high school teacher, a middle school teacher, shall I say, put this smiley face or the sad face on your test. And that, that sad face really hit to my heart because I didn't do my very best. But that smiley face had me feeling good. Just a smiley face became a symbol of affirmation that you did great. Spend some time lifting someone that you know whose primary love language is words of affirmation. Secondly, love language, number two, quality time. Quality time, let me say what it does not look like. We're out on a date. You're texting. You're not in the moment. Oh, I hear you, babe. Hold on, let me, I got to take this call. I got to take this text. I got to do this. That's not quality time. You, you just got some quantity, maybe an hour together, but no real quality. That must be focused attention with a person when their primary love language is quality time. They need to know that you are in the moment with them. A lot of people mistakenly assume that if I spend four or five hours at the house and I'm watching the show, she's on the computer. Uh, she's cooking, I'm cleaning, that that's quality time. No, that's just in time in the house. Quality time is deliberate. We consider 
the other person's love language that they want you focused. I'll often leave my phone at home on date night. I don't want any distractions. I want to be in the moment. Date nights with us is not that long. We go to dinner and sometimes we walk downtown. Or before COVID, we would go to a movie as well. But we need to understand that love language we call quality time. But not only that, Chapman says that we need to learn the language of quality conversation. Quality conversations. You know, just talking about the football game and what Jenna did at work or what, what Jacob did, not necessarily of a quality nature. And so we must understand that a person with primary love language with quality time, they want you to be in the moment, focus on them and spending that time with them in such a way that they feel so good. Love language number three. Dr. Chapman calls it receiving gifts. Now, most of us grew up believing in Christmas and, 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 and the, the favorite part of Christmas, that is the Santa Claus and the toys. Uh, we certainly believe Jesus was born. However, we were all excited to get down to the tree and see what was there for us. So all of us have a certain level of love language number three, receiving gifts. But there are people whose primary love language is receiving gifts. So how do you handle this sensitive love language? Some people are not appreciative of the lollipop you bring them on the job. It's just a thought. I thought about you, so I'm, I'm bringing you this. This gift. Uh, sometimes you get carried away and think that this is the most expensive love language in his book. And so I don't believe that a true person that has this language as their primary love language is always looking for things. Sometimes the gift of yourself becomes a symbol of love. We can buy things. But we know that buying love is not as authentic as being there. The gift of I'm here with you. There's nothing wrong with shopping because they love gifts. Does not have to be super expensive. I think a person that truly believes in this love language of receiving gifts would be very appreciative because this person really looked at this as being, you thought of me. You thought about me. Yeah, I was on your mind. So love language number three, receiving gifts. Then Chapman talks about love language number four, acts of service. See, if you find someone, you meet someone that's committed to the community, and doing things for others. This is, this is the love that I call a selfless person. They believe in helping people. And they don't manipulate acts of service for their benefit. But we do things for our spouse, our, our family, our friends 
who has a primary love language of acts of service because that's who we are, that's who they are, excuse me, and therefore we feed their love language. Now, there are a lot of selfish people in the world, so it's very difficult for a person to embrace acts of service. Especially if you're a self-centered, self-focused person, then acts of service becomes a challenge for you. But when they love the community and like volunteering at the soup kitchen, then you go with her. You go with him. Uh, They love doing work around the church, food bank, laundromat, clothing ministry. These people appreciate you when you walk in their love language and show acts of service. That's their language. And so we must learn to demonstrate acts of service. See, one thing I've learned when studying Dr. Chapman's book was that love is really about the other person, not so much about me and what I want. And so when I express love, I need to express love in the language of the person. And think about that for a minute. That's contrary to our thoughts on love. We, 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 we focus on self. When love language says focus on the other person. Paul said love suffers long and is kind. Does not envy. Does not parade itself. Is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Does not seek its own. And Dr. Chapman's last language, he calls it physical touch. You know, it's amazing. And this is one of my primary love languages. I like people to uh, touch me and give me a warm embrace. I uh, shared with my wife years ago that my hair, whoever my head, that's, that, that feels good. And so that's my language. Coupled with acts of service, this is not a necessary physical sexual touch. Think about that warm embrace you receive from a friend. How good it makes you feel when you're not at your best, but they encourage you and they end their conversation with a powerful touch, a hug. And so we must understand that this four-letter word has the weight of the world on it. How do I know that the weight of the world is tied to love? Love can make or break the world we live in. But the Bible teaches us just how powerful love is when it's in action. For John 3.16 tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave. See, my love is so great for you, I'll give my very best. He gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him shall not perish Got your best interest in mind. Your eternal destiny. You shall receive eternal life. 
That's love, my brothers and my sisters. Let us love freely. Love never fails. Love is there. We can count on love. Let's not become a tinkling symbol, sounding brass, but let us demonstrate our love in words and in deeds. May God bless you and may God keep you as our prayer. This has been the Redeemed Community Church, located at 6254 House Ferry Road in Mobile, Alabama. Until next Saturday, we say God bless and may God keep you.